but you're not like that. Man, he goes through a list before we get here. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We've got to just cover some background on that, which we will actually go through some concepts on this, but just for the guy who wrote it. So here's a guy who who is a fisherman and he is called by Jesus to do something else come along with him travel with him be part of this new team god um directs Jesus to to have Peter be part of this team just think of that all night long Jesus is praying to god the father who should i have join me he's got a number of these guys are following him around and he's got to narrow it down to these are going to be the the special trainees in this group and he prays all night he announces the next day and peter is one and then just think about peter he runs hot and cold he gets mouthy he's he's heroic in one moment he's a coward in the next he runs to protect, and then he runs away. And you go, wow. And then Jesus, after the resurrection, puts his arm around him and just keeps walking with him and says, that, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, well, yeah, yeah. And Peter's just scared to death because he's run away. He's denied the Lord. He's thinking there is no coming back from this one. And yet the Lord just keeps walking. So, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. You can just see the tears in that fisherman's eyes as he's trying to respond to this whole love situation. And he has recognized that the God of heaven has chosen him to be part of this team, to be part of what God is doing in the world, that he has an identity different than just being a fisherman. That's his job. Uh, husband father he's got all those things and we all have different roles and we've all have we can have our resume and pull it out and look at that and go yeah that's who i am Uh, not really there are different layers different parts to who we are this is god's perspective so he's giving us a clue so we can understand who we are so peter is the one who writes this i mean there's just i this from him, this is something. The, the things that he's saying here are, are really amazing. So let's go back. Where did he get this? Peter, where did he come up with these things? Here's God's message to Israel at Mount Sinai. This is in the establishing the covenant. In, you find it in Exodus 19. And he says, now if you will obey me, and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among the peoples, all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. God, talking to Moses, says, that's what I want you to tell them. You see any parallel? He's picking this up from some things God is doing with Israel 
back in the early days when he's setting up the covenant with the, with the nation at Mount Sinai. So this is after they come out of Egypt. But what are we dealing with? So we've, we've gone through a number of things talking about the nations and, and what had happened in the rebellions and the division of the nations around the world. So this is no different. We have God speaking to a group of people trying to establish his work, his kingdom on earth. So he begins that way. If we back all the way up to the Garden of Eden, we've got paradise. And, and here in this wonderful, bountiful place, God takes care of the people. He comes and visits, and they, they recognize him. Even by his footsteps in the garden, they know that that's him. So they've had enough of a connection and relationship to know that. And then they listen to another voice that questions God. They turn their back on him. They rebel. And then the fall. So we have, we have Satan and the rebellion. We have the Adam and Eve, the human rebellion. And things fall apart. No longer are they in paradise. No longer are they in Eden. That part has now been taken away. They are exiled. They, uh, well, humanity continues on. Another interaction between the divine beings and earthly beings happens and we pick it up in Genesis chapter 6 with those beings uh, desiring the women of earth and so they have sex with them and they're the Nephilim, the children, the half-breeds that are born from that situation. The flood comes to clean up the earth and to get rid of the Nephilim and this whole thing. Those those beings are chained in Tartarus in the deepest parts of what we would consider hell, separated from God, separated from people. God said, no, none of that. Then we get some afterwards, uh, another rebellion. Noah and, and the, his family starts all over again, and the direction is let's build this thing, let's take care of the earth, let's put this together. And God, you know, sends a rainbow and says, see, we've got a new start. And I'm not going to flood the earth. Y'all just go take care of it. And it's not long until the group of people get together and they rebel against the Lord and say, well, we can just, we'll just reach heaven on our own. We'll just do this thing by ourselves at, at Babel. So they charge and put this thing together and they charge up that uh, tower and they got shaking their fist at God and rebellion happens again and God divides the nations by giving them languages they don't understand. They all spoke one, now they speak many, they are divided. When they go out into the nations around the world, then they have also a divine being associated with them in what nations and areas, regions of the world that they have. And so those nations, or those beings who are over those nations, which would be the small g gods, are the ones who say, you know, we would like their worship. They were supposed to lead the people in worshiping God, the one true most high God, and they decided not so much. And so they said, yeah, we want the worship, as Satan did. I mean, it's just all, anything to pull this away from God. And the people said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. So now the nations are in rebellion, they're in trouble, and these heavenly beings, these divine beings who have been assigned these 
roles have turned their backs on God. Again, we've got another rebellion going on. So all of those things are happening. God has this group of people that he's calling out of Egypt, and Egypt is under a small g God or gods. So there's, there's the influences that are happening there, and he's calling his nation out from that place, out of darkness, out of the rebellion, to come be with him, and he makes a covenant with them at Mount Sinai which is where Moses comes in. He's getting these words from God. And then God is passing this information on to, or he wants this passed on to the people. So that's Exodus 19. So let's look at that. You will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. That make more sense now? For all the earth belongs to me. God's in charge, he's sovereign, it's all there, but we've got these rebellions going on and he's dealing with them. He wants to move all of this towards, and if you go from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible, not all the way into the maps and index, but just to the other end, you get this whole, you start with Eden and paradise and at the end you're back, the new heaven, new earth, new Eden, new relationships with God and, and, and he's got the whole earth. So that's coming, it's just not yet. So this is, he's called out this people, and he says, all the earth belongs to me, but you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is his group. This is his bunch, his holy nation, unique to him, set aside for him. That's what holy means. So the holy nation is set aside for God and his purposes. They are supposed to be living God's way on earth, showing the rest of the nations what it's like when you walk with God and you experience the Eden experience here as much as you can in a broken world. So that's what he's offering, and he's called Israel to be that. And you see the same words, which is what we saw in First Peter, for the church, for, for other people. But look at this. There's protection and responsibilities. God is going to protect them. This is continuing in, in uh, Exodus from Exodus 23, 20 to 32, there's a whole section there. But the Lord is sending an angel to protect and lead Israel. They are to listen and obey him. They are to worship and serve the Lord, not the gods of the land. So there's a whole change that's unfolding here that God is, is bringing these things to, to bear. He's dealing with the gods of the land. They're the ones in rebellion, and they have led the people into rebellion. So there's a whole brokenness and, and a falling away, and that he's sending his angel to protect them as they travel out of Egypt and as they travel for the 40 years in the desert. God has the angel before them, he, and he says, you watch when he's moving or when the pillar's moving, you go. When it stops, you stop, you you just follow, and the angel is there to give them protection. So whatever lands they happen to be in, whatever other gods happen to be there, the angel of the Lord is with them, protecting them, keeping them safe in all of that and whatever situation they happen, happen to be in. And it's just amazing to, to look at that. If we listen, if they listen and obey, which is, applies to us as well, amazing things begin to happen. And there is a huge uh, difference in the life lived under God's protection. And you know, you, it doesn't take much to imagine. 
You've got evil entities who want to take you down. You've got the world around you who, for in many ways, are not on your team. They are in opposition to you as well. So what would be the best thing ever? Listen to the God of heaven and do what he says. Go his way. Move when he says move. Stop when he says stop. Knowing that he protects you when you're there listening to him and in that, in that realm, in that circle under his protection. If we rebel, we go on our, our own way. We take off and go, well, I just want to do it my way. I think it's better over there on the other side of the hill. And he's going, no, angel's going to be over here. This is the part we're protecting. This is the nation. Here, here are the covenants. Those rules that he came up with were for protection. Those were to let the people know or let the world around them or the other gods know that God Almighty is in charge. He is the most high God. He's looking out for his people with love, and he is faithful to take care of them. But what if they go do their own thing? Then they have just cut that all off. They've just said, I just want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, anytime, anywhere. I don't want you to tell me what to do. So the protection's off, the direction's off. They're allowed to go do whatever they want to do. And and so the protection of the Lord is gone. But anyway, the Lord is sending an angel to protect and lead Israel. So that's happening. So So we've got this whole thing developing in the book of Exodus. And this is just them heading to the land. They're just getting the instructions and seeing what God is is providing for them. It's just just pretty cool how this is uh, unfolding. But it's part of the covenant. They're a special treasure. They're going to be a kingdom of priests. He's going to pull them out. He's going to uh, use them in in a special way among all the nations on the earth. They are chosen, and God provides for his chosen people and overcomes the evil and the chaos. This is from Isaiah chapter 43. Here in Isaiah 43, 20 and 21, the wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Chosen people. So they've been chosen to come near God, to be instructed, to be able to come out of the, out of the chaos. When, when you're reading through the scriptures and you come to uh, desert imagery, the wild animals, uh, jackals and owls, that is danger and chaos. And that's what's out there. And that's what they experience. That's what, in their uh, worldview, how they thought of things, that's what they considered. So when you're talking about stuff out there, that means dangerous. And it can also be the seas or the oceans. Those are also uh, unknown. People don't live there, or you don't live well there. So those are places where you don't thrive. That's not Eden. That's not paradise. This is the opposite of all of that. That's what he's talking about. You're, he's going to do something different with all of that. And he says, I'm going to make rivers in the dry wasteland. When he brings the rivers, the river of living water, the, riving, the rivers are 
when you read about heaven. It's the rivers of living water that's going to flow from God's throne. It's the rivers of living water that the Holy Spirit will bring into us from John chapter 7. And Jesus is talking about that. This is life. And, of course, water in the desert makes sense. But there's more to it. This is the concept that this, there's, there's an evil world. There are evil beings. There's an evil intent. There's chaos and danger out there all around. And God is trying to take his people, his chosen people, this group of people, and move them from all of that. And even in the middle of all of that, with the jackals and the owls and the desert in the wild places, he's going to provide the river. That sound anything like a Christian life? He's going to bring the life in the middle of all of it. Still, he's going to provide. I have made Israel for myself. These are my chosen people, and they will be refreshed. When does that, that happen? Does that happen automatically to every person in Israel? You've got to think about this, because this really applies to what we're looking at in First Peter with uh, who we are in Christ. Does everyone who's chosen in Israel, and he's, he's chosen them as his nation, get refreshed? Are they all solidly on God's team? Do they all listen? Do they all just dance around thinking how wonderful God is to them? Well, if they did, they wouldn't have been hauled off into captivity again and again because they didn't. There were some who listened and some who didn't. Did he choose them? Yeah, chosen the nation to be this. Did they have to listen and obey? Yeah, that was the covenant. We just read that. They are supposed to listen to God and go his way, not the other way of everything else out in the world or listen to everybody else out in the world or practice what the culture is practicing. He wants to give them life in the midst of the dry wasteland chosen people that's kind of cool then you get a um, well and this this is also you know this is in the midst of the gods of the land so he's providing this in the midst of all of that as well so chosen they're protected the uh, the covenant is set up they're supposed to listen but god has called them to be these special people and they are it's, it's a kingdom of priests so a Kingdom is the rule of God, or whoever is, a, is appointed as a prince or king. In this case, it's God is ruling over a group of people who are set aside to represent him to people and to be the ones who would bring a sacrifice to connect the people and God. And so they are to have the special role in this intermediary uh, place where they're going to help connect God and the people on earth and they are that's the role of the whole of the nation of Israel set aside for this purpose it's pretty pretty cool so you are his holy priest first Peter 2 5 and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple what's more you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. 
So how can you do that? And we're talking about sacrifices. Peter's used to the sacrificial system. Israel has had a temple in, in Jerusalem, and throughout Peter's life, it existed. And he's killed in the mid-60s A.D. The temple in Jerusalem is destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Romans, so it no longer exists. So the Jewish people don't have a temple to sacrifice in. I suspect God probably gave Peter a heads up that, you know, this thing's not going to be here long. And he's talking about spiritual sacrifices. This isn't the same. You're not taking those animals and, and taking them to Jerusalem for those sacrifices. This is a different kind of uh, a connection, appeasing God, doing what God would have us do. So how do we follow through with that without a temple and we don't have a place to take the bulls and the lambs and we just doesn't exist spiritual sacrifices a different kind of thing that's unfolding as we help people we are to love others not only as as we would want to be loved but we are to love others as jesus loved which is sacrificial love to go beyond what we would normally do or and to care beyond what we would normally care forgive beyond what we would normally forgive this is this is a different level because god in his wisdom wants to bring paradise and a life like in living in the garden of eden to earth the kingdom of god alive today in and through each of the people he has chosen and he says, I've chosen you in the church to be part of this. To be those people who are going to help, who are going to serve, who are going to love, who are going to reach out, who are going to step up, who, who aren't grumbling about it. We've covered that in Romans 12. You don't whine about it. You actually get the empowerment of the living God when we choose to obey that can take us beyond our frustration, the time crunch, the pain, the cost, all of it. All of the things that we come up with for why we can't do it. Remember the angel that goes along and says, come here, stop here. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. Well, God didn't quit. He's still there. He still gives still empowers. The Holy Spirit is there giving us the rivers of life to enable us to do this, to go beyond, to offer sacrifices that honor him. And it may be as simple as helping somebody carry in their groceries or buying the groceries for them. That's pretty cool. And it can be coming along someone and listening to them. It can be praying for them. And it... it, it because you know more about what we've done and talked about with regard to the power of prayer, you know better than many other Christians in their churches what that can do. And that changes things, changes people, it changes situations, it changes nations, and we are called to do that. So a sacrifice that we can offer is to pray for others, and it pleases God. That's because we're listening to him, we're obeying him, we're doing what he's called us to do.
You are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple, not the rock one in Jerusalem. What's more, you are his holy priests. Those people set aside, unique to him, pointing to him, being an intermediary between the people here, maybe people in your family, people that you work with, people that you go to school with, people around you in the community. You are holy priests. Through mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's what you get to do. That's pretty cool. You are his holy priest. You can. 1 Peter 2.9 As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You go, well, no, I can give you a website. You can look it up. Google that. No, you. Because you have been chosen by God to play this part in this world at this time in history like no one else. You get to be in a circle of people and you intersect other people that no one else does. And and some of those will be similar relationships with people, but not 100%. You are connecting with others all around you, and it is unique to you at this time in history in all the world. And you have been called to this unique place to represent God, to be an intermediary, to be chosen, to listen to him, to have the river of living waters coming through, empowering you, loving others, making a difference, offering these sacrifices to God that are pleasing to him. All of those things are happening, and you are bringing all of that together, and you're showing people the goodness of God. They get to see it in you. They get to see it in your attitude, your words, the way you do the things you do, the things that are important to you. All of those things are going to reflect the goodness of God. And remember, he's called you out of darkness. Darkness is, the imagery is clear. This is the black and white part. That's far from God. There is no light. How you get darkness is you turn off the lights, right? It's the absence of light. God is light. Jesus is bringing the light. We've got light when we come to him. That's where those things are going to happen. Absence of God. Darkness. So we're leaving that. He's called us out of the absence of of God to the light. Now we can manifest that. Now we can show them the goodness of God. And I love the way he puts this, for he called us out of the darkness into his wonderful light. This is more than just turning the lights on. This is, this is the thing. This is life-giving. This is paradise. This is the kingdom of God alive in this world, and we get to be part of it. All before we get to heaven... We're supposed to be breaking that loose now, here, living in it, experiencing it, and then seeing how he does great things in and through us because we are the chosen people who get to play a part. Because of who you are, because of who you are, let me run through some of these things. Your security is connected to God. You probably gathered that as we went along. Your security is connected to God, and you are... Uh, in his hands he's given you truth he's empowered you by the holy spirit he's directing you towards this 
an amazing future in him and he's bringing parts of it now so we can experience experience that uh, while we're on earth but there's you know there's still a brokenness around us so our security is to just hang on to him to listen to him to go where he would have us go do what he'd have us do that's the security part insecurities are evidence of being bound to oneself we kind of go a different direction when it's all about me uh, you know, i just i'm just not confident in this situation i don't know if i can do that sounds like it's impossible to which jesus said you know with god everything's impossible no that's not how he said that with god all things are possible so if we're connected to god what can we do? How does, the, how does that river flow through us? How does the goodness of God shine in and through us in what we do and what we say, how we do it? But the insecurities, we get short-tempered. We bite people's heads off. We can't see how the future is ever going to work out, what political party might win. Oh, my God. Gosh, the world is coming to an end. Yeah, and when it does, Jesus takes over. We're still back to he's taken over. But the insecurities come in, everything falls apart. doesn't take long. Everybody loves hanging around with people who have insecurities. Oh, man. Can't get step two because step one is just, just too hard. What if we actually connected with God? The very thing he says we are. Actually believe him and realize who we are. The special, unique people that we are because of what he has done and made possible for us. You belong to a higher family for a higher purpose. You belong to the family of God. That's a whole different thing. Has a whole different purpose. Israel was called to be this holy nation drawn out of all the other nations to deal with all the brokenness and the false gods that are out there. We are called similarly to come together as a family because God wants a family. He wants a family made up of human beings and heavenly beings and then we all get to be together and run around later. But that's what he's, he's putting together this family and it has a higher purpose. Not the same thing we come up with even when we go, wow, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, family is everything. I don't know if you've seen those little signs. That ain't true. It's not everything. It's something. It's not everything. God's family, that's the one that lasts. And as many of our family sitting around the Thanksgiving table, we can get into this family, the better. So that's the... That's where we're going with this, but can't confuse it. We belong to a higher family for a higher purpose. Being far from God indicates a higher view of oneself than God. Our insecurities are a problem. Sometimes we just think of ourselves and our way and how we want it to be and how it ought to be according to my brain and how I've always wanted it to be in my dreams. And God's shaking his head going, eh, nope. That's not the one. But somehow we elevate ourselves and our opinion about all these things far above who God is and what he's trying to accomplish because we don't stop and listen and just go do what he's saying to do. And can you imagine how amazing that would be? 
get our backs up against the Red Sea and he just opens it up? The Red Sea, by the way, remember we talked about seas and oceans, is chaos, death, danger. They were backed up with the biggest army on earth coming their way. Their backs against the water, chaos, danger, death. And God opens it up and they walk right through it. So what can he do when you come up against your chaos, your Red Sea? What can he do for you? But sometimes we just have that higher view of ourselves. and He can't solve it because I can't solve it. And if I can, you know, obviously he's not able to go beyond what I think. We know that's not true, but practically we often live there. So you belong to a higher family. I'm hoping you're getting that. Your security is connected to God. You belong to a higher family for a higher purpose. Your future position and plans impact your daily perspective and pursuits. You are going to be in heaven with God, part of the family, living for eternity, with God doing things that you'd just be blown away to know is, is waiting for you. But it's coming. You can trust him with that. So he's got some things in mind, and he, he knows who you are and how he has developed you, your personality, your history. He's putting all of those things together, and, and he has, nothing's lost on him. And he's going to put all of those things together. And he, he wants you to know that so that when you're thinking about what ought I to do tomorrow and the next day, and those plans begin to revolve around what he has planned out there and that one day you will stand before him and you get to present your sacrifices or you can present what you did that probably didn't please him. And you have the choice every day which way to go. And the idea is, all of that's coming. He loves us so much. We, we need to revamp how we look at our daily lives, our perspective and pursuits. Being bland or boisterous may indicate a missing link of faith and understanding. Bland is, you know, tasteless. So just think of a Christian life that's tasteless. Isn't that like... Salt that's lost its saltiness, and you go, man, that just, that doesn't even taste good. You go, man, I don't want to live like that. Or boisterous, just so loud, living large, partying, I got a whole different thing. Man, I am at it. I'm living it in this life. I'm missing a link of faith and understanding because God's got so much more, and he's called us to a different life We are chosen to be in him, living a different way. Your life in the light shines the goodness of God for others. Your life in the light shines the goodness of God for others. We're just taking what he's done in us, the things he's shown us, the things he's taught us, and we begin to live that out, and that is going to show up in our relationships and our attitudes and how we do life, and other people are going to see the goodness of God in that. Allowing darkness to overshadow the light displeases God, deflates the heart, and dooms others. And we don't have to allow the darkness to have a hold on us. We don't have to be controlled by the darkness. We don't have to live in the darkness. We don't have to allow that. Now, we'll complain about everybody else's darkness. Have you ever done that? Everybody else needs to straighten up. 
and you can start with governments, and you can go, man, they just ought to have peace in the Middle East. And you don't have peace around your table or peace in your car when you're driving with somebody. You go, really? When you pull that off, you just tell them how that works. Because if you don't have it, and it's only two, three, four, five of you, how are you going to get a whole country of millions and billions of people? God's got a plan, and it begins with us. It starts with us, and we have to get the darkness out, not invite the darkness, not play with the darkness. Get the darkness out because he's made it possible by choosing us to come out of the darkness into his wonderful light and live an entirely different way. And just imagine, it displeases God when we stay in the darkness. And then the individuals who are depressed and struggling and can't figure out, you know, they're, they're punching at a bag that seems to be over them and they just can't seem to get free. And it's, they're just deflated. Their hearts are just, they just don't have the energy. They can, even if it was a wet paper bag, as the expression goes, they can't punch their way out of that. The darkness has taken over. We ought not live there. People do that. And it dooms others because they need to see the light. They need to see the goodness of God. If they just see the darkness and the frustration and this bag that's being punched from the inside out, and you, not without ever being released, that doesn't impress them. So we live in the light because he's called us out of the darkness. So you are, in answer to the question, who are you? You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance. Thank you for calling us out of the darkness. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for being with us and providing exactly what we need, when we need it, providing all the things that we need to be able to live this life and to point to you, Lord, and let others know your goodness. It is a privilege that we have, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.